Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Hey, everyone. This is Tal Wilkenfeld, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Well, hello once again. Welcome back for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good folks at Pantheon Podcasts. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and ever-growing Pantheon Podcast Network. Uh, We're available on Spotify, iTunes, over 40 other podcast platforms. Um, All right, this is going to be a really fun episode for me because I literally, out of all the episodes, this is episode 78, I swear to God, I'm looking at these songs this is this is the greatest uh, music I've ever played uh, on one of these episodes. I think these are some of my favorite songs of all time by anybody. And, um, you know, I wish I could play more of them. Uh, it's funny. I'm going through some of these. Well, I'll tell you when I when I get to the one, but but I'm just trying to find my favorite part of them. And I just keep going. No, that's it. No, that's it. No, that's it. I mean, it, uh, unbelievable. I This is one of those situations where you just want to play DJ and, and you know, play this music, uh, play all of it and just uh, proselytize about some of your favorite music. But I get to do that anyways, but it's mostly with words, of course. Um, So, all right, episode 78, we are calling this Proggers Go Solo. Um, I was inspired by being on uh, Pete Pardo's Sea of Tranquility show recently where we just went through our uh, top 10 favorite prog albums of all time. Very surprising lists. Um, you know, it's hard to do that. As as I said in that show, it's like, okay, you, you, you know, me, I would probably have 30 or 40 albums that would all be 10 out of 10. So, you know, ostensibly it's a tie, right? Um, but, you know, as I was making my list, I thought I was thinking a couple of things. A, I'm seeing a lot of albums here by by uh, individual people as side projects or uh, when they left that prog band uh, sort of situation. But then also I was looking at some of these records and saying, I don't know if they're prog records proper, so maybe I should stick a little more conservative and go go with bands and go with things that seemed like more pro- prog records, notwithstanding the weird uh, happenstance, and I got definitely got called on it, but uh, <laughs> as I sorted it all out, King Crimson Beat was my favorite prog album of all time. Who knew? Um 
anyway, so it inspired me to uh, to look at this idea, um, and it's it's a little bit of a uh, a narrative in here, a concept in here uh, that I always love. This idea of um, these prog guys going solo, kind of like to crash through the liminal veil of uh, complacency, basically, right? Uh, you know. Uh, it's so so I'm not talking here about Robert Fripp exposure. I'm not talking here about another gorgeous album, Chris Squire Fish Out of Water, the Steve Howe album, his second one. Uh what else would qualify? Um some of the John Anderson albums. So those kinds of things are not applying here because this is more a situation of of these guys needing to break out on their own, having so much creativity in them. They're just bursting to let loose beyond even what is a very creative genre. I mean, progressive rock is a very creative genre anyways. Uh, it's, it's almost like the guiding principle of the thing. And yet these uh, titans of rock... Um, you know, found their way to needing, uh, needing to to go beyond and make some of the most beautiful music uh, ever made. I think so. All of these have slightly different situations that we will explain as we go, but uh, definitely proud to play some of this stuff and uh, and hopefully turn a few people onto this music. All right, so let's uh, let's start with our first one, and we shall discuss. This is Roger Waters with Deja Vu. All right, so I picked that very jarring explosion. Uh, you know, Roger is a very political guy. You know, I keep I keep forgetting, or I know, and then I forget, and then I check it out, or I don't understand. But Roger Waters is somewhat reviled out there for his politics, and I can't even remember what his politics are exactly. But, you know, this 2017 album, Is This the Life We Really Want, is quite a political album. Um but and and this song is about you know war in the middle east um but uh no he's he's just an absolute rock god to me i mean there's so many great things about him that i almost don't even want to know what these bad things are about him that uh, that people talk about um but this record from 2017 is probably uh going to stand as my favorite record of the last 10 or 15 years i've played it Mm, I don't know. It's almost too new to yeah that I'd be exaggerating to say I played it hundreds of times, but I've probably played it 120 times, 140 times. Um, love it, start to finish. Uh, just love his voice and and you know this this reverie on uh, on you know being kind of at the end of his life and looking back on the world and his own personal life. Um, you know, with with so much uh, passion, uh, but it, but it's but it's quite mellow music. There's some there's some things on here that are a little rocky, um, but it's just a gorgeous, well paced album of a lot of different things and even some recurring themes uh, coming back to certain things. Love his voice, love his quiet singing voice, love his loud, you know, loud singing voice, which you heard a little bit of here. You know that that sort of a. Uh, uh, anxious paranoid scream that you heard in Pink Floyd uh, at times you know there's a gorgeous part in here where where he clears his throat um, 
and and it just fits so perfect in what he's doing this kind of like a little campfire acoustic sort of song thing um but just love this album to death and uh and the the thing uh why roger waters fits in here is is i just feel that this is a guy you know pink floyd was definitely a power struggle and you know maybe he's a tyrant or whatever but here is a guy that that you know slowly took over pink floyd um to the point where um you know, it was it was a definite huge power struggle in the end, and the albums got you know, quote unquote, more Roger Waters as they went went along, more or less, right until the final cut, where you know people almost talk about it in loose terms as being a Roger Waters solo album. Uh, but the Wall even had that sort of happening, like he's really taken over the reins in the Wall. But you know, I love Radio Chaos and Amused to Death and the pros and cons of hitchhiking, especially Amused to Death. Um, you know, I, I don't really care to look into any of that other stuff, the opera or classical type stuff. Um, but um, yeah, this record with this terrible, terrible title and not a great album cover, Is This the Life We Really Want, um, is uh, just start to finish just a masterpiece of, uh, of again, a, a guy looking back... Um, you know, and 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 with with a lot of sort of uh, despair and sorrow at the state of the world, and you know, uh, you know, adding up the pros and cons of how his own life has went, sort of thing. Just beautiful, beautiful record. Um, you know, I'm surprised people didn't really talk about it a lot more uh, than they did. Um, so there you go, Roger Waters, one of these proggers gone solo, and why is he going solo again? I think he's just got he's just got so much of his own personality and intellect that he needs to pour into music that you know being part of anything that wasn't called roger waters uh was was getting to hold him back it had shackles on him all right next one uh take a listen to this this is steve hackett with till these eyes we're all toys of time up to the end no one knows the night meanwhile the river bends Lays flies and butterflies flying high above till these eyes have seen enough. The clock is always ticking. All right, uh, I thought this was a kind of a neat theme following on from the Roger Waters because, again, this song, you know, co-written with uh, with his wife, Joe. Steve and Joe are just lovely people. Um, but, um, you know, this, this song in itself is a short, you know, gorgeous, gorgeous reverie, again, on the idea of, you know, one of these old prog guys later on in life. Um, and it and it's a very delicate look at it, but but it's it's like you know okay, are you ready to die when uh, you know when your eyes have seen enough kind of thing? That's what this song is about. And so Steve Hackett really fits in here again as just a a you know super high reputation, well regarded guy who um you know at, as as Genesis at the height of maybe them them possibly breaking or whatever. I mean we can talk about whether you know they were you know, he's leaving this great situation or whatever. I'm sure it didn't look so great at the time. But uh, the neat thing about this guy is that is that he's leaving Genesis to, to break out on his own, and he's made so many albums and so many amazing, amazing albums in a lot of different styles. He's done blues and classical and, uh, and lots of live albums. He's revisited Genesis, you know, so very a lot. Um, so it's not like he's he's got ill will to that material, 
but he's gone and done that. But he's gone and done so much more on his own. I, I really loved, for some reason, I was a big fan of the Cured album from 1981, which is which is very um kind of synthesizer-y and pop. Um, it's it's kind of an odd thing from him. But my favorite by far is, uh, is uh, what, what is it? What is it, the exact title? Again, I can't remember these titles. I'm To Watch the Storms. Um, that's why I can't remember it. But um, I love, love Strut and Ground on there. Um, Circus of Becoming. Uh, he, he covers, a, it's, it's Thomas Dolby, right? Uh, the Devil is an Englishman. Um, but really, really neat stuff on here. And, uh, and this one, um, that I just played you is from Beyond the Shrouded Horizon, which is a double album, a double studio album. Um, and, uh, yeah, Steve Hackett. So, you know, seen him live a couple times and, you know, the fans are just lapping it up. They're just loving the whole thing. Um, both times I saw him in kind of a cushy, smaller theater environment, um, Kind of like a like a community theater uh, environment. It's 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 interesting. Not not exactly a rock, you know, a rock and roll venue. Um, one thing about Steve Hackett that I'm not a fan of uh, is um, it's funny. I'm not I'm not a super huge fan of his loud hard rock heavy metal squalid noisy uh, guitar guys playing. Right. So so he's it's it's again. This is the other reason I picked him as a theme on from Roger Waters. I always kind of joke and complain that that you can't set your uh, you can't set your volume levels uh, to a Roger Waters album because um, it's going to be absolutely close to inaudible, uh, where there's just just some ruminating going on, and then there's going to be some big explosion, uh, literally an explosion. Um, or and, and and loud music. So so it's got so much dynamics between the quiet bits and the loud bits that that it's hard to even set your stereo and and you're jolted awake all the time. Uh and and that's that's how I feel a little bit about Steve's catalog. He's got he's got this sort of um almost like um you know King Crimson-esque uh noise factor to him and then he's got the most gorgeous acoustic songs spanish guitar with that with that gorgeous uh you know voice of his over top of it so i guess what i'm trying to say and and this i found when i did pete's episode as well i like i like a lot of the more commercial things that you get out of a lot of these prog bands that's why king crimson beats my favorite one of those but but so with steve hackett it, it definitely is some of my favorite songs ever done in the history of mankind are are a lot of steve hackett's quieter songs with vocals um so and there's lots of that across the albums but the albums can be very jarring between between big rocky jazzy proggy bits um with his sort of howling tone remember he was one of the um he was one of the early originators of tapping but he also has kind of a howling feedback thing that he does too um but yeah, just just one of the great unsung acoustic guitar uh, players of all time. All right, uh, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Okay, back again here on History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, episode seventy-eight. Prager's Gone Solo. Um, this is one of my favorite examples of this whole thing, um, but it's more like this is one of my favorite rock gods of all time. But he actually doesn't fit into this theme perfectly and I'll explain. Let's take a listen first. This is Adrian Ballou with 1967.
All right, I uh, I essentially think that's the greatest song of all time uh, written by anybody ever. Um, this is one of these where I'm playing you a segment from four minutes and 20 seconds in, 30 seconds of that. I think the song is a total of five minutes, 30 seconds. I swear to God, this is a, this is a prog rock concept album masterpiece in five minutes. Um, if you like the Beatles... There are probably about 15 Beatlesque things he does in this song. Um, and all of them I love a thousand times more than the Beatles. So 15 times a thousand. So I, so I like this song 15,000 times more than the entire Beatles catalog. Um, love Adrian Ballou. He's, he's probably my favorite creative music maker of all time. Um, I loved what he did. Uh, in King Crimson, I mean, those three albums, The Red, The Blue, The Yellow, are three of my favorite albums of all time. And I, I could easily see, this is where I almost, I, I, you know, joking with Pete at the end of our thing, you know, I said, um, do I have permission or would I have had permission to include Twang Bar King and Lone Rhino uh, in this list? Because uh, those are those are probably two of my 15 favorite albums of all time by anybody. Um so I just love his sense of humor. I love his voice, uh, his various voices. I love his um, sense of humor on the guitar, the noisiness that he can do on guitar, but I love the mellow things he can do on guitar. I just love his whole idea of, uh, of how to put together songs. So, so these albums, so how, how Adrian doesn't fit the theme is that he's still dovetailing kind of in and out of King Crimson all his life kind of thing, right? Um, but he's got a ton of solo albums, and, and the first two are amazing. Um, and this album, Mr. Music Head, that 1967 is from, is not one of my favorite Adrian Ballou albums and certainly not one of my favorite albums of all time. Although, like I say, it has the greatest song ever written in the history of uh, recorded music and uh, unrecorded music, uh, you know, including all the classics and Renaissance and everybody. Uh, so throughout all of the history of mankind, this is the greatest song of all time. So including recorded music and non-recorded music. And um, so Adrian, you know, he comes to this from so many provocative, creative experiences, Talking Heads, Zappa, King Crimson, David Bowie. Um, but uh, his his own albums are so, so absolutely, um, you know, like I say, the first two love, love them a lot. The other ones, there's a lot of experimenting and weird stuff going on. This side one, side three, or whatever it's called stuff. You know, there's, there's a lot of uh, instrumental as well. He, it's, it's almost like he gets a little bit infected by the, uh, you know, the thing that happens to King Crimson later on. But I have to mention the other reason I just, I just love the catalog of Adrian Ballou so much is his band, The Bears, from back home in Cleveland, I believe it is, right? Um, anyways, the guys he was in a band with then, um, they've got this second album called Rise and Shine, absolutely one of my favorite albums of all time as well. And even later with Car Caught Fire and all that, and even the first one, which is just called The Bears, it's got that, you know, I think it's Mort Drucker, the, the guy from Mad Magazine drew the, uh, you know, illustrated this cartoony picture of the band on the cover. So so that's, that's uh, almost a more conservative pop rock situation a little bit new wavy but more like just up-tempo pop rock maybe a little bit like the knack i suppose but with way more brains and just just the, these heartbreakingly gorgeous lyrics and great singing and stuff like that so we've got rise and shine twang bar king lone rhino 
The Bears, throw that one in there. Discipline, Beat, three of a perfect pair. Um, so yeah, one of my favorite uh, makers of music of all time. I've seen him live too in a solo situation. Um, I'm not sure if I've seen him with King Crimson. Yeah, I think I have actually. Um, but uh, you know, just so much fun in a solo situation because again, he's got that thing he does with uh, with technology, and he's and he's doing all these cool looping things with himself. Um, very very entertaining. And then Julie and Eric Slick uh, were in his band this one time I saw them. Unbelievable. I think Tony. Tony Levin was in his band once that I, uh, I believe that I saw him with once. Maybe not. Maybe that was, that was Tony Levin at the same venue that I saw him with uh, Julie and Eric. But um, yeah, incredible live, incredible on record. Enough about Adrian Ballou, right? Um, all right, so let's move on. Uh, this is our fourth selection on Proggers Go Solo. Um, take a listen to this. This is Chroma Key with Graveyard Mountain Home. Isolated yards Tables in the kitchen This is what I'm Okay, so this is a truly one of these situations uh, where I just feel like, um, you know, the, the point of this episode is is um, people who are just so creative have so much, you know, frighteningly interesting creativity in them that they have to leave their situation. This is Kevin Moore, the keyboardist for Dream Theater, leaving Dream Theater and and striking out on his own. And I think this is the perfect example of, you know, a promising band, um, but... You know, Dream Theater has always kind of bothered me as a band that kind of like gave you what you wanted. You know, if if you were like, hey, man, I wish Rush were a heavier band, man. So, okay, here's Dream Theater, right? Um, you know, progressive all the time, perfect productions, long, long records, um, heavy all the time. Uh, just just no, no, um, no eccentricity to it in a way. It's just literally... Uh, if you were to devise, to devise the perfect progressive rock robot, it would be Dream Theater. Um, I hate saying that. You know, I've tried so many times over the years to get into them. I've interviewed the guys many times over the years, um, but it just never sinks in, right? Um, but this is this is Kevin Moore going off. So okay, so he does a couple of Chroma Key albums, and they're more like they're more like the. Um, the second coming of Brian Eno from, you know, Here Come the Warm Jets and Another Green World and Taking Tiger Mountain. Uh, they're the gorgeous, gorgeous uh, records of um, kind of a, like electronic percussion and and innovative keyboard sounds. Uh, but then he does this one, Graveyard Mountain Home. And I swear to God, I, this is one uh, that is old enough at 2004 that I have played probably over 200 times. Um, and the, the amazing thing about this record is that you know the, the the cool thing about Kevin number one is he moved to what what was it Santa Fe New Mexico Los Angeles when he's doing this album I think he's living in Istanbul Turkey he's lived in Montreal um, so he's even he's he's even building a life of a creative person but but yeah his music is is incredibly incredibly creative he's like he's like a musical genius I think so what he did with this album he went and searched for a 
he found a high school guidance film, I think from the 1950s, that was about 25 minutes long. And it's this kind of really sad story about this high school guy whose mother dies and he thinks he hears her voice on the radio and all this. It's just a heartbreaking story. And then he takes that 25-minute film and he cuts it down to half speed so it's now 53 minutes long. And he he writes a soundtrack album to it. And it's it's an unbelievably affecting album it's it's quite creepy and sad and gorgeously produced like it like you know the the um, the amount of um textures and tones and interesting stuff on here um you know i've i've heard it said that you know that will absolutely affect almost anybody who's into music if you if you play it with with that uh, you know watching it at the same time but but it comes with a second disc that is just the music, and I think it's just as great. I mean, I, I think it's amazing. Uh, and and the cool thing about it, and this is the other reason I wanted to uh, have Kevin follow Roger Waters, is that there's a lot of spoken word and weird, buried kind of laughing and sound effects and film reels coming off the reel, and uh, and it's like either crying or laughing and people talking and uh, you know call to uh call to prayer that you know the big the big horn thing going off um so lots and lots of weird effects and then acoustic guitar and long musical passages so it's it's doing that thing that i always thought the main reason pink floyd got famous is spoken word bits it always makes you sound really cryptic and wise and it's really cool and people always remember those parts i swear to god i mean i think the things people remember the most about pink floyd uh the highlights of those records are when there are little spoken word bits everybody remembers those so i thought that was just a genius thing that they came up with to do that uh, on records and that that is the kind of record uh this chroma key graveyard mountain home what a title uh is um it it really reminds me of a Roger Waters album. That's that's basically the bottom line. It reminds me of Amused to Death or uh, or when Pink Floyd is really doing a lot of that, like on Final Cut or on the Wall or whatever. Um, but it's so so creative. It's just a masterpiece album. And again, this absolutely fits our theme because this is a guy uh, who's just fearlessly going out on the frontier and creating you know new kinds of uh, of sound collages um you know in in the absolute spirit of progressive which you know he he politely as he's leaving dream theater and says enough of that cheesy progressive rock by numbers stuff for me thank you um honestly i that's that's kind of the theme of this episode that these guys see see i i bring that up and it reminds me of i could almost do a whole episode on metal guys who have done stuff like this and that that would you know the the big examples are rob halford and bruce dickinson uh and they're kind of leaving situations where they're going this stuff that my band is doing is really cheesy and stale that's that's what they're thinking like i'm growing as a human being these other four guys are not growing as human beings obviously i gotta go try something new and it's so so commendable when they do that and the results are usually pretty darn good i think um but in Prague, the difference is you're leaving a genre where creativity is like literally the main thing so so you're already in a very creative situation and you're getting more creative i think okay so our last one uh, let's take a listen to this and we shall discuss. This is Peter Gabriel with no self control.
All right, so I picked him as the ultimate example because I think he's the ultimate success story in doing this. It is a clean break, so it's a little bit different from the Adrian Ballou situation. So he's massively commercially successful with multi-platinum albums, huge, huge tours. He's leaving, uh, he's leaving a promising situation. He's making a clean break, and he's making music that is very, very fearlessly creative, again, like a Kevin Moore um, you know, Steve Hackett is not is not really making crazy, crazy music, uh, or nor is Roger Waters. And you know, in a lot of cases, well, no, Adrian Blue is so awesome that I I can't I can't put him down in that respect. But Kevin Moore so far and Peter Gabriel uh, are definitely the two here that went the furthest out on a limb. Now, Peter Gabriel on uh, on car and scratch you know those self-titled albums that that's kind of a cool thing too he didn't name any of those albums right uh we had to name them for him just to be able to talk about them so he's got the scratching he's got the car screen with the rain on it um or the or the side window i think it is and then he's got melt uh you know the face melting cover so so this is from the third album, the Melt album, which I always, uh, you know, uh, aligned with uh, when Kate Bush did the Dreaming, the very creative album. This is this is the big step up in creativity because when Peter Gabriel first first left the fold, um, his his albums were kind of rocky, kind of poppy, kind of a ballad here and there, um, and beautiful, beautiful albums and great songs. Um, but they weren't particularly really, really super creative. You had Here Comes the Flood and stuff like that. But um, but on this one, obviously, with Biko and Games Without Frontiers and those female vocals and the gated drums, you've got Jerry Murata on here. You've got uh, Phil Collins on here. Um, so you've got all sorts of production pioneering going on. Games Without Frontiers, you know, it was a hit immediately because people were just going, what the hell is that? I mean, it just had to be played on the radio. It's just, it's like Bohemian Rhapsody all over again, but for different reasons. It's like, this is so unique and interesting. It just had to be a hit. And it was a hit. Um, so Games Without Frontiers, Biko, you know, you th- you think of, uh, you know, with, with the, um, the South African politics and what he was doing here, he's kind of like Peter Gabriel is almost, uh, you know, uh, on his own, uh, creating a world music boom, and then he and then he does his whole label, and he he has different world music artists uh, with him. But then after this, he also he also does the security album, um, which is even more uh, kind of world music and more atmospheric. So a- incredible, incredible catalog of uh, of great music. Um, and again, so here's a guy leaving the fold, basically saying, "I've got so much more in me," and so further to go than I think Genesis really wants to go. He, he was proven wrong in that because Genesis got really creative and odd and did a lot of cool things themselves. You know, granted, people put it down for being, you know, daring, but almost daring in a pop sense. And so it had, it, it was a mix of conservative and um, novel. And it certainly was moving rapidly beyond old Genesis. Um, that that's something that we could regard them well for, I suppose. Um, but no, Peter Gabriel. Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at the Security album and this album. Um, they are so interesting and creative, and and truly in the spirit of Prague. I saw, I saw the band. Uh, one of the greatest shows I ever saw it was the first show ever at Vancouver. Um, what did they call BC Place Stadium? You know, with the, with the whole you know kind of a see through dome on top of it. Um, this was the first 
concert there ever, and it was um, our first big concert, whatever. Uh, the Tubes on an album I loved, Inside Outside. Peter Gabriel as the sandwich band, if you can believe it, on security. So he's at the height of his power. And then the headliner was David Bowie at the height of his commercial buzz that he, he would ever have, uh, the Let's Dance album. And, um, you know, and oddly, I, I noticed that uh, there's some some later edition of, of that or some live album or something out there that that album has been commemorated on a, on a proper CD or that show has been commemorated on a proper CD, which is kind of cool. It's it's neat to see that happen because uh, I was at that show. Um, but um, yeah, and, and, and what a transcendent experience seeing, you know, that band uh, on uh, on the security album. Uh, so there you go. Uh, those are those are five examples of absolute creative titans uh, going solo from prog situations. Uh, Proggers go solo. Um, you know, and so like I was saying, this is not a place to talk about Steve Howe solo albums or Robert Fripp's excellent Exposure album or Chris Squire's excellent Fish Out of Water album. Um, because these are leaving the fold because you just have so much in you that you that you need to do. You're on a mission to create. Uh, and those aren't exactly leaving the fold uh, situations. Um, your honorable mentions here, uh, Stephen Wilson leaving Porcupine Tree. Mike Portnoy also leaving um, uh, Dream Theater. Bill Bruford, in a sense, you know, leaving Yes to go to King Crimson. That's kind of a big step up in creativity, I think, as well, in, in bravery and daringness. And then he did a lot of solo album stuff, um, you know, and then went into King Crimson. So this is a guy almost jumping from band to band, but but he's moving into more fearlessly creative situations the, the whole time. So it's a little different as well. All right. Um, if you dug this show, I certainly dug doing this show. Want to support future episodes? Go to Kofi rhymes with no fee. Um, Kofi.com slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button. Buy me a coffee or a pint. Um, uh, either. I drink a lot of both of those. Uh, and on that front, I do want to thank uh, this time out um, Bruce Campbell, Dave Fisher, Jeremy French, Christopher Clement, Dan Keyswetter. Uh, Kevin Latham, Jason Leonard, Augustin Garcia de Paredes. Uh, he is also my um, uh, moderator. What do you call those things? Moderators on the on the uh, on the page uh, on our Facebook page, which is a pretty hopping page. We uh, we have a lot of debate about these episodes. Uh, so thank you, Augustin, um, Scott Ray, Brian Sager, Jared Shelton, Andrew Smith, and Roberto Vega. Uh, and you could go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs. Um, basically, there are PayPal buttons for everything that is in print. I'm sending out a lot of the Angel book. I'm almost out of that now. Um, I still have the Thin Lizzy visual biography. I've still gotten the Maiden. This is a rare situation where all three of the Maidens um, are available. I have the first priest, but not the second priest. Running out a few other things, but anyways, martinpopoff.com. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, go play some of this stuff. Man, if you have not heard that Chroma Key album, go play that Chroma Key album. And go play Adrian Blue 1967. Just go to the song. Forget everything else I've told you about Adrian Blue. Just go play 1967. Thank you. Bye. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at The RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us 
at R&R Archaeology. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 